In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It was one of the church's most well-known theologians, Yogi Berra, who famously said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. Well, sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you have to make a decision this way or that way. Typically, decision time comes around the age of 18 to go to college, join the military, find a job, or decide not to decide just now, to veg for a while, which means essentially to do nothing until financial necessity or your parents insist that you do something, decide something, anything. The decision of which college to attend, for instance, which used to be fairly simple, some of us applied to one college and agreed to attend without ever having laid eyes on it, today is, is complicated. Drawn out over a year or two with multiple applications, long shot, fallback position, sure thing, and very expensive. There is the decision to marry and whom to marry. The one to whom you are willing to say, with all that I have and with all that I am, I honor you. Every time I stand in front of a couple and lead them through their vows, the enormity of what they're doing and the enormity of the decision they have made takes my breath away. There is the decision to choose a vocation, a career path. In every life, there come times when important decisions must be made. And when they are, the tectonic plates of your life shift and fall into place, and nothing is ever the same again. This morning, let's explore together what lies beneath those decisions. It is another decision that we all make, perhaps unconsciously, but it is a deeply personal and spiritual decision of what to live for, what to sacrifice for, what to follow and give to, what to die for. We all make that decision. We make it over and over again every day of our lives. The writer David Foster Wallace died by suicide after a lifelong struggle with mental illness. Before he died, he delivered a remarkable commencement address to the graduates of Kenyon College. He said, in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. Wallace told the new graduates to be careful and intentional about the choices of what to worship because some things, he said, can eat you alive. If you choose to worship money and things, there will never be enough. If you choose to worship beauty and sexual allure, you will always feel ugly, and when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths. Worship power, and you will feel weak and afraid, he said. 
and you will need even more power to keep your fears at bay. Worship your intellect, and you will end up feeling stupid, always on the edge of being found out. He warned the graduates that you can slip into this kind of worship little by little, day by day, or you can choose to worship, to give your life to, to sacrifice for, to live and die for something else, something good and authentic and important. It's up to you. You get to decide. Long ago, decision time came to two men standing knee-deep in the waters of the Sea of Galilee, casting a fishnet. Another young man walking by on the shore stopped to watch, and when they turned to notice and their eyes met, he said, follow me. And they did. They dropped the net and followed. It happened a second time. Three of them now, Jesus and Simon, Peter, and Andrew, who were brothers, happened upon two other brothers, James and John, sitting in their boat with their father, minding their nets. Follow me, Jesus said, and they stepped out of the boat to, I have always assumed, the consternation of their father, Zebedee, although maybe he was secretly relieved because finally they had decided to do something besides hanging around him with him day after day. They walked away and followed. There is no explanation. Some have suggested that these men surely, surely must have known Jesus before and had been thinking about his teaching and struggling with the meaning of their own lives. That, that could be. All Mark tells us, though, is that when Jesus appeared, it was decision time. Jesus didn't tell them where they were going. He didn't give them an outline for a new career path with measurable goals and outcomes. He said, follow me. Decision time. And they followed. Then in the middle of the story, the way Mark tells it, another decision time, a big one. Now there are 12, at least 12. There were women following Jesus too, but in that time and place they were not counted the twelve followed as he walked through the rolling hills of Galilee from village to village as he stopped to teach in the synagogues. They followed and watched in amazement as crowds gathered everywhere they went, bringing their sick, their elderly, their babies for his blessing, his touch. They watched him heal and listened as he said things they had never heard before. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Forgive those who offend you. Love one another. They listened as everywhere he said, the kingdom of God is here in your midst. Tiny, sometimes invisible, like, like a mustard seed or leaven in a loaf of bread, but it is here in acts of kindness and compassion and fairness and love. They must have talked among themselves, who, who is he? Where are we going? In the middle of the story, Jesus answers both questions and gives them the opportunity to drop out and go back to their fishing boats. It's decision time again. 
Who do people say that I am? He asked them. Some think you are John the Baptist. Others say you are Elijah or one of the prophets. But you, he says, who do you say that I am? You decide. Simon, Jesus has been calling him Peter, the rock, blurts out an astonishing response, something they must have talked about, considered in their conversations with one another. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Yes, Peter, what you have said is true. And in order for me to be Messiah, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. God forbid, Lord, Peter says, Peter is right. The Messiah doesn't suffer. Everyone knows that when the Messiah comes, he will rally the people. There are hundreds, maybe thousands, of armed, passionate patriots called zealots hiding in the hills, waiting for the moment to strike and drive the hated Romans into the sea and put the Messiah on the throne of David. Everyone knows what a Messiah is supposed to do, and it is most certainly not suffer and die. That's what the Romans are going to do when the Messiah comes. Get behind me, Peter. Stop talking and listen. Sweeping his eyes over all of them, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up a cross, and come along. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. It's your choice. The thing about Jesus is that everybody, starting with his best friend Peter, has an opinion about who he is and what it means to follow him. His friend Peter was merely the first to try to define him and by inference what it means to follow him, to take his name upon yourself, Christian. Deny yourself, he said, as he did just that. Replaced his own agenda with God's, decided himself to follow God's plan, God's will, to love, to heal, to reach out in forgiveness and compassion, to challenge the values and assumptions of his own culture and religion, even if it meant suffering and dying, which is ultimately exactly what it did mean. Jesus decided to show the world who God was, what God was like, and at the same time to show the world what an authentic human life looks like. Dietrich Bonhoeffer thought about this matter in the 1930s as the Nazi party assumed control of Germany and began to persecute Jews and prepare for war. He wrote one of the most influential books of the 20th century, The Cost of Discipleship, which is one of the most well-worn, marked up, and beloved books in my library. In it, he defines Christian faith, not as a system of theological propositions, which is what I assumed Christianity was before I went to seminary, but as an act of radical personal obedience to Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, deny yourself, 
Bonhoeffer believed it meant to put Jesus Christ and his will at the very center of one's being. When Jesus says, follow me, Bonhoeffer believed it meant to live your life in the world totally, holding nothing back. It was this radical definition of faith as following and obeying Jesus Christ in the world that led Bonhoeffer to join the resistance and help plan an attempt to assassinate Hitler. For Bonhoeffer, self-denial translated into a strong and passionate commitment to the peace of Christ, which at that time meant opposing and bringing down the Nazis. The plot failed. Bonhoeffer was arrested, imprisoned, and executed in April 1945, just before the war ended. For Bonhoeffer, to take up the cross of Christ meant not acceptance of oppression and suffering, but resistance, the voluntary assumption of costly behavior on behalf of others in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what taking up the cross means, the voluntary assumption of costly behavior on behalf of others in the name of Jesus Christ. To follow was literally for Dietrich Bonhoeffer to follow the cross. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. That's very nice, but hold on, hold on. What if I don't know where he will lead me? What if I don't know what I believe about him? What if I don't have my theology all figured out? What if I'm not sure I believe at all? The amazing thing is that Jesus doesn't ask for any of that, never asks for a statement of theological principles, not even a confession of faith. What he said was, follow me. Take up a cross and follow. It was years, centuries even, before his friends worked out the theology, the Christology, the ecclesiology, the ethical systems, and all the rest of it, the paraphernalia of institutional Christianity. But in the beginning, it was follow me. And they slowly came to understand as they followed and carried their crosses. Follow me. Are you willing to risk it this Lent? Are you willing to join up and follow behind, to invest yourselves in caring and loving and risking and advocating and serving others near and far in his name? I invite you to test that promise and take up the cross. The decision is yours. Amen.